Today, we're going from the soccer fields to the studio. Hey, everyone, it's Randy Halsey here with Backstage Pass Radio. I have tracked today's guest down to Orlinda, Tennessee. She has performed the national anthem at NASCAR events and was a collegiate soccer player that now makes songwriting and performing her livelihood. Keep the volume turned up as we'll chat with Sarah Faith when we come back. This is Backstage Pass Radio, the podcast that's designed for the music junkie with a thirst for musical knowledge. Hi, this is Adam Gordon, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you like, subscribe, and turn alerts on for this and all upcoming podcasts. And now, here's your host of Backstage Pass Radio, Randy Halsey. Hi, Sarah. It's great to see you finally. I know we've exchanged some messages back and forth, but glad you're here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, and I really appreciate your patience. It's harder than I would like, but I'm glad we finally made it work. It happens. I mean, uh, it, it seems like the musicians have the craziest schedules going here and there. It's not the the typical, you know, eight to five routine thing like uh, corporate America that I've worked in forever. So being a musician myself, I understand the the trials and tribulations of being pulled in many directions all the time. Yeah, and sometimes it's like, you know, you're sitting around on Thursday at four o'clock and someone's like, yo, you want to shift at eight? And I'm like, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Do I though? Right. (laughs) That was kind of like your Sunday offering, right? They wanted you to play Sunday and you, you, you weren't feeling it, right? I was like, I mean, no, No. nobody's going to be at a restaurant (laughs) at 9 PM. So like, thanks, but I'm going to have to catch the next one. Like, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. I can't see too many people being you know, hanging out nine, nine o'clock on a Sunday night. You know what I mean? I mean, like, and sometimes it's so unpredictable. Like sometimes I'll do like a, like a Wednesday at three and make like a hundred bucks in an hour. And I'm like, dang, you know, but then, you know, sometimes the person that books is like, I'm going to give you the prime time slot. I'm like, Oh, thanks. That means a lot to me to walk away with $5. I'm like, prime time, <laughs> <my book." laughs> there's nothing prime time about that. I just wasted the whole prime time. There's no, there's no right. And, and, you will agree with this. There is no rhyme or reason to the freaking tips. You know, no. right when you think you're going to make a killing that night in tips, you look in the, the bucket at the end of the night and you're like, wait a minute. I thought I saw some people put some money there's in like there. Stuff. There's a paper clip in here. <laughs> right. There's some bubble gum. Like, and somebody wrote something on a napkin. Wrote, like, don't quit your day job. <laughs> I'm like, guys, come on. Like. Exactly. Yeah. And then when you uh, and then when you're not expecting it, you look in the bucket and you're like, wait, I never even saw anybody come up. And there's a lot of money in there tonight. So, yeah, I feel like there's times when I feel like I just like play the shit out of a song and I'm just like oh man like that's bound to make me like 20 bucks or something <laughs> like crickets and then I like play this song that I played 6,000 times screw it up six ways Sunday and so we're like oh that was amazing play it again you don't make any sense I know it's crazy (laughs) it's crazy well the one the songs that you think you murder like on stage and then like two people clap it's like really there's like 400 people in this room and you get two two hand claps what were you talking about that was more more important than dreams or Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac like nothing don't get me started on that it's kind of sad, but it's uh, people are um, a lot of times in their own worlds. They're uh, yeah. for sure, but uh, God love them. How's things in Tennessee? We, we talked a little bit about the weather. It's hot, hot in Tennessee. What else is shaking in Tennessee for you these days? You're staying busy, I'm, I'm staying, assuming. 
Yeah. So this month of June has kind of like come out of nowhere and really surprised me. I mean, I feel like I've had like three or four shows a week this whole month. Covered the bills, which is always a good thing to be able to say. I have made a couple relationships with a couple new places that I'm hoping to kind of get on their books regularly. Good. Um, really been doing a lot of like duo stuff. Like I'll bring okay. a drummer and he and I will just go and like kind of like put some cool stuff together. And I don't know. It's just honestly like sometimes, it, not sometimes, all the times being a musician is it's weird and different and the schedule is always messed up and like, it's exhausting, like carting all this crap in and out of the car and in and out of the restaurant, blah, blah, blah. But every single time I'm done with the show, I know that there's nothing else I'd rather do. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just like, I wouldn't go back to Michigan. I wouldn't leave Tennessee. Like, I'm just, I love it here. Wow. I thought for sure, like you had, you were like big time, like you had this big road crew. You didn't even load your own gear anymore, right? Please. Please. Yeah, I mean, if you silly me, silly me, my car for me, like, but before I'm leaving, he's like, babe, you want me to load that up for him? Like, you know what? That would be amazing. I feel like a superstar (laughs) when you load up my Ford Fusion with all of my gear and it's packed to the gills. I love that. It's amazing. (laughs) That's that's amazing in and of itself that you even let him touch your gear because if you were to ask my wife right now, have you ever loaded Randy's gear in or out? And she would say, he doesn't even let me look at the gear. Okay. I don't want you touching anything. I mean, it helps. He does play guitar. He understands the He gets it. He gets it. He's bought guitars of his own. He knows that like, this is this right here is the equivalent of a small child. Like, yeah, I mean, just put it in the case. It's fuzzy. It's nice. (laughs) Like don't, you know, like he gets it. Well, that's always a, a nice prerequisite to have somebody that's helping you out that, that, that knows the drill, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a, a unwritten resume at this point. Like, do you know what a guitar is? Do you sure. know? How to- <laughs> well, it's, it's not so much that, you know, I don't mind people carrying the stuff once it's packed, but I never let anybody pack my stuff. Like I roll oh, no, the cables, you know, like yeah. I have to do that because Everybody is so gracious about asking. And it's like, if I let you do that one time and you leave one cable out, it, it could jeopardize a whole show, the next no, show that I go people, to, right? So, like, if it's someone that doesn't know me or like, I mean, I don't let anybody roll my cables. That's for real. But like, if it's someone that doesn't know, like, how, like Matt knows how the car gets packed. He knows what goes first. He knows where the cubicles are and what this, it's adult musician Tetris. It's very specific. <laughs> it's very specific. But like, if I'm at a gig and someone's like, oh, can we help you tear down? I'm like, no, thanks. Yeah. Oh, can we help you load? Let me know if you need me to help you take me in your car. I'm like, you know what? I've really just, I have to set a boundary. I'm like, oh, I've just got a system. I'm just going to rip it yeah. down. I'm just gonna, it's no big deal. You know, I'm like, thank you so much, but you're going to make my life literally a living hell if you touch my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't have that. Let's mm-hmm. step back a little bit in time uh, to Lake Orion, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So Lake Orion, north of Detroit, this is where you grew up, right? Yeah, born and raised. When did you? Go Dragons. Yeah, yeah. When did you <laughs> leave? When did you leave Lake Orion? Do you remember? I left Lake Orion um, to go to college. I mean, I, I went to school a couple hours north of there. Um, and once I moved out for college, I never moved back in. Okay. So you never once went Once I was back. gone for college, I was out. Okay. Now, you went to Alma College, right? 
I did. And yeah, I did that. talk to the listeners a little bit about study there. What what were you what were you majoring in, and what did you what did you finish with, kind of thing? Well, it's got nothing to do with what I do right now at all. Of, like, of course, it doesn't. No, of course, it doesn't. Who, got, like, who goes to college to do what they're going to do? Actually, do right? No, Nobody I mean, does like, that. You know, and it's stupid. Like I was listening to a podcast earlier today, and it was like someone was talking about like how much pressure they put on kids to figure out what they want to do when they grow up, and I'm like. Dude, when I'm 60, I'm still not going to know what the hell I want to do when I grow up. So, like, why would I bother knowing that I was 18 years old? Anyway, so I go to this teeny tiny school that probably nobody listening to this has ever freaking heard of. Uh, Alma College, the student enrollment there was half the size of my high school, which is, like, teeny tiny. Like, okay. But I wanted to play soccer really bad, and I wanted to study graphic design really bad. And I only ended up playing soccer for the entire four years. I ditched graphic design as soon as I walked through the door. And I got something super generic, like a degree in business administration. Uh, I minored in Spanish with probably enough credits to be a Spanish major. Mm -hmm. uh, But I just didn't study abroad long enough. So it had to be a Spanish minor. Okay. Yeah. So do you do Super, and I don't do and I don't write songs in Spanish. I mean, I guess the business knowledge comes in handy a little bit here and there. Sure. But really, it's so it's such a jacked up world anyway that like you can't plan for it. So I mean, no. like, what's the point of learning about it? You went to Alma. You played a little uh, soccer at Alma College. Then I think you went on and uh, to was it Oakland University and got a, got your master's degree. Yeah, I'm a complete educational masochist. Like complete, bring on the pain. As much school as I could, po- useless schools I could possibly get. No. So the deal with that was uh, when I was at Elma, I was doing a little career called sports information, which is basically just like a career for sports nerds. I'm a huge jock, like love sports, love stats, love the just the nuts and bolts of like why people do what they do on a sports field. Always have, probably always will. Sure. So I was working in the athletic department and I worked there two years post-grad doing all the things. And they had like... 49 sports teams, just being really ridiculous at Alma. Just like really liberal artsy. Like if you have an interest in it, we will make it happen. Like you want to be a chess player? Okay. Like underwater basket weaving? Oh, we have that. Like, you know, just like whatever. So I was doing stats for all that stuff. And I was like, man, you know, I really love this. I would like to do stats forever yeah Mm -hmm. so i was like okay well i learned and i want to do it on a larger scale because like you know d3 is great and all but it's you know if you want to i wanted to do bigger sports and better sports and bigger athletes or whatever so um i went to oakland because they were offering me a graduate assistantship so i could go there i could do sports info and while i'm doing that i get a master's degree for free in two years i was like okay that's pretty good deal So I did graphic design when I was in there too. And, you know, did all kinds of sports information stuff with softball and volleyball and cross country and track, you know, all this stupid stuff. And, um, and then at the end I decided that I really wanted out because it was driving me crazy. (laughs) So I got the degree and now I don't do anything related to sports at all. (laughs) Well, I I was going to ask you, 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 um, you talked about doing stats and there was underwater basket weaving. I, I have to, and maybe I'm dumb. I, but what stats do you track with underwater basket weaving? Like, please. I was being totally edu- facetious. I know you were. No, totally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, how long? 
does it take you to weave this basket? How many baskets can you weave? You know, I like to learn. That's why I started a podcast, right? You know, I've never heard of underwater basket weaving, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's (laughs) happened at some point in time. You know, know, and I just, I, I mean, Really, there was any interest group that you wanted within that 1,400 kids at that school, you could probably find it. It was insane. I was like, what? They didn't even have that kind of stuff at Oakland, and they had 20,000 kids at that school. I'm like, come on, guys. I wouldn't say I'm too much of a sports nut anymore, but I spent 17 years in professional hockey as an official and, oh, uh, and uh, stepped out of that game back in 2012. So I'm, I'm sure from being up around the Detroit area, you might, you might've watched a Red Wings game or something along, along oh, the line. Thousands. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, um, there are a bunch of things that my dad instilled in me from a young age and Red Wings is one of them. Yeah. And I'm just like, I know they suck right now, but that's okay. <laughs> There's like, still hockey. It's really right? hard to be a, sports fan of any kind in Detroit. So why should hockey be any different? Exactly. <laughs> so you, speaking of sports, you, you mentioned soccer. You, had you played soccer from a very young age or did you kind of start playing soccer in your teen years? Talk, talk to the listeners a little bit about the upcoming with soccer, right? I'll say I didn't start as young as everyone else did. And when I started, I was like seven. Everyone starts in like four, you know, and they're playing beehive soccer where they're chasing the ball around in this big swarm, you know? <laughs> I started when I was seven and I started like indoor uh, on like a gym floor. And I was the biggest baby on the whole team because like I would fall down and like put a hole in my pants and get like a basketball court raspberry on my knees. And my coach would sit me because I'd be just crying like a stupid baby. <laughs> it was awful. But then I convinced my mom to sign me up for just like rec league or whatever, which was, you know, at the time, probably all we could afford. My mom just was like in and out of jobs and just like really hard up financially. Mm -hmm. Um, But then when I moved to live with my dad, I started playing like travel soccer and really started kind of getting into it. So I guess like, you know, most kids when they if they're going to play travel soccer, they start that really young, too. But I didn't start travel until I was like 12 or 13. I was a little bit of a late bloomer, I guess. That was. Yeah. I'm going to take the listeners on a quick ad. Sarah, sit by and uh, I'll be right back and we'll continue our discussion. Have you been thinking that you may need a little exercise in your daily routine while having a little fun doing it? I may have the solution. Hey, it's Randy Holsey here with Backstage Pass Radio. And about six months ago, I purchased an electric bike from Ecotrick and just thought about using it as a way to kind of get the blood flowing a few days a week. And to my surprise, I find myself on the bike just about every day. Not only am I getting a little exercise each day, but I'm also having a fun time seeing the neighborhood and maybe some areas that I probably would never have seen before I got the bike. Today, my family owns four of these Ecotrick bikes, and we're looking to add a few more soon. Make sure to check out the link in the description below for more details. Thank you guys for sticking around. Uh, we're back with Sarah Faith here out of Orlando, Tennessee. Sarah. Woo, party time. Yeah, about that. Uh, so <laughs> I'd like for you to tell the listeners a little bit about a contest that you had entered last year and actually wound up winning that contest. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, um, at the risk of sounding too much like I'm being self-deprecating, like, I'll just say, oops, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, 
Okay, so here's how it went. I was like, I was literally, and this is not a joke. Like I was, I was literally like scrolling Facebook and I'm not a social media scroller. It's bad for my mental health. I think social media is awful. Like, and I have no problem saying that. Like if I didn't need it for my job, I freaking wouldn't have it. I'd still be like out playing on the streets and like going door to door and like sending pigeons and all that crap. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend an ounce of my time on Instagram. I think it's just makes stuff easier in some regards and it's a blessing in some regards, but also it's like kind of difficult. It makes yeah, life difficult. Sometimes. I agree with you. It's a necessary it's a way, evil, right? It's the way that people act on it. They get like keyboard warrior and they just feel like they have like, no, I just, I don't know. Manners are a thing. It just gets really hard. But anyway, so I'm scrolling Facebook and I got this ad on the side of the thing that says, you know, good year from garage to glory. You could win $10,000. I'm like, where's the catch? Like, what do you mean? I win $10,000. And it was described as like a contest designed for musicians. You can't be signed. You must be independent. You must not have a deal, blah, blah. I'm like, well, good thing. I have no deal. I am not signed. No one's even offered me a deal and no one's even offered, you know, I get the tips in the bucket and that's about it. (laughs) So I sign up and I like answer the questions. There's like, you know, some, you know, they answer those, those like, or they ask you those like heart wrenching, like, like what made you get into music and what, where, where are you from? And tell us your backstory and blah, blah. I'm like, okay. So I, I hit send on the thing. It probably took me, I don't know, 20 minutes to fill out whatever it was. And I'm like, well, sign seal delivered. There goes that. If you don't throw the poop, it can't stick. Yeah. But I just, I guess I didn't assume that anything was coming of it. And that was, I think in maybe like, April of last year? I'm not sure. It was more than a year ago. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And by the time I had forgotten about it, an email shows up to me and it was like, hey, you're a top three finalist in this thing. And I was like, you mean that thing I signed up for that seemed like it was completely illegitimate and like no chance in hell? Oh, right. So I'm a... I'm a female artist in Nashville, solo artist, and I'm and Goodyear's a company in Cleveland, obviously. And I'm up against uh, two bands, full bands, that are all male, and they're both from Cleveland. I'm like, thanks for the top three. That's probably as far as this train rolls. And so it went to a fan vote for the month of June, I believe. Well, half of June, half of July. It was announced, and I believe July 16th or something. And they're like, hey, Sarah, we want to set up a, um, a, like a Zoom call with you because we want to get a clip from you that like thanks Goodyear for running the contest and like talks about how excited you were to have been a part of it and blah, blah. I'm like, okay, it's my consolation prize. Thanks so much, guys. And so then they surprised me telling me that I won this dang thing. And I was like totally beside myself, completely in tears, like just could not believe it. Biggest blessing. I mean, like for me, for like, Everybody that like helped me with the song that I even submitted, like my whole team, everybody behind me, like is a major win for like all of us. I was yeah. just stoked. Wow. Yeah. And this was an original song that, that you Correct. had. Okay. Yeah. So one of the first songs that I wrote when I came to Nashville and I got it produced by, you know, a, a, someone's friend in town, you know, oh, I got a buddy that does. Okay, cool. I didn't know any better. And then when it came out, I was like, ah, I just don't love it. So then we redid it. And so when I released the album last year in June, um, the redone version is what I had submitted to the contest. Okay. And it was my understanding that there might have been a couple of thousand 
people that entered into that contest, correct? Yeah, I think if you read one article, the stat says one thing. If you read another article, the stat says another thing. I believe, I believe the correct numbers are 2,000 applicants, and then by the time it went to a fan vote, over 80,000 votes. Oh, wow. So I snagged the majority of 80,000 votes, and if there's anybody listening to this that voted for me, like, thank you, because I don't know that many people. <laughs> I don't know 80,000 people. Like, I got 8,000, 9,000 followers on Instagram, and that's not 80,000 still. So, like, yeah, yeah. the I math is not adding many, up, right? No, no, no. And I did not have that many followers when the contest was right. I had, like, 3,000. So it just, like, does not compute in my mind, but I'm so grateful. So maybe you had a lot of money, and you paid a bunch of people off. Like, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm loaded, Randy. You got it. Sitting here in Orlando, population 950 with my horse in the backyard, just loaded out of my mind. Yeah. Didn't we talk about tip jars? Yeah, we, we did. We did cover tip jars earlier. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Um, part of that, part of that um, win, didn't you get to perform at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Did, did I get that? Piece right in my yeah. in my discoveries of Sarah Faith. Yeah, part of the grand prize. It was here. We're going to give you ten thousand dollars, and you can also perform at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, by the way, you're going to perform as part of induction week, and we're going to let you go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony at the end of the week, which was pretty badass because the Foo Fighters are being inducted, and I'm a huge '90s alternative gal, so like that was a big deal for me. Yeah, that's cool. And not a lot of people get to do that. I, I've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one time, but uh, I wasn't asked to play there or do anything of the sorts. I just paid my money and went and saw the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So yeah, I mean, it's a. I got to go through it and what and whatever. I got like this cool. They sent me on this cool tour too as part of it, um, and they took me into like the vault, like underneath the place. And I got to, I don't know how big, um, I assume you're a huge like music junkie and you're going to really enjoy some of these things. I hope that other people get it too. Like Steve Perry's microphone and Neil Peart's snare, snare drum and like outfits that Prince wore and all yeah. this other, just like stuff that they just don't, people just don't get to see. I was like, this is pretty lit. You know? It is. It is. I, I think when I went there, I went there on business and I took the time to go see the um, the shrine. And I think I spent like six hours in the place, like, yeah. like, like literally. And I did that when I played out in Nashville, October of, I think it was 2020. I, I did the same thing with the Country Music Hall of Fame, you know, oh, okay. where uh, I wanted to go by myself because I didn't want anybody tugging me in this direction or that direction mm-hmm. or let's go. I'm tired of this, you know, that kind of thing. So I just, but it was pretty much an almost all day affair for me because I'm a sponge oh, yeah. when it comes to, to the music stuff, probably like yeah. you are as well. Right. Yeah. Or we wouldn't yeah, be I mean, musicians. There's some stuff in there that I was like, I mean, whatever, but like, if you're going to tell me that there's an entire floor dedicated to Eddie Van Halen, I'm going to just sit there. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, I get it. I and get I'm not going anywhere. I don't want anybody to ask me where I'm going next because I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I just want to sit here. Like, I'm going with the flow, right? Wherever, yeah. wherever my legs take me, that's where I'm going next. Yeah. Well, you've mentioned, and we've mentioned several times uh, during the course of the interview so far that, you know, we, we mentioned Orlinda. And for the listeners, you know, I'm trying to paint this picture in the mind's eye that Orlinda is, and you can correct my geography if I'm wrong, but this is 
a small town, I think it's what, a, uh, about an hour-ish north of Nashville, right on the Kentucky border, is it not? Am I, am I correct? Yeah. yeah, I do this thing where I totally scam and I go shopping in Kentucky because it, the sales tax is 3% lower than in Tennessee. <laughs> I'm, three, I'm three miles from Kentucky, so like, sue me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, last I heard, there's not a, a law against doing that, right? So, Heck no. I mean, I mean there's no border patrol. It's my exactly, own country. Exactly. No, I mean, 3% is 3%, right? That's what I'm saying. Teeny tiny town, literally population 938 or something ridiculous. I mean, we have a four-way stop. I've got a general store. That's about it. But, but Orion was not a small town, right? Oh, Lake Orion, no. Not a small town at all. Like, the, my high school attendance was larger than the population of where I live right now. <laughs> So Orlinda is a, a small town and how do you find Orlinda? Like you move to Tennessee, like what was the draw to Orlinda versus Nashville, right? Or a, yeah. or a bigger, or a bigger city, right? Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll say too, like for anyone that ends up, like if you're already a fan of mine or if you end up following me on social media, I'm pretty much an open book. Like you're going to learn pretty quick that like last year was interesting for me. I went through a divorce and all kinds of stuff. So like when we first moved to Tennessee, I did not move to Orlando. I moved to Dixon, which still was 45 minutes outside of Nashville because I have no interest living downtown Nashville. If I'm being totally honest, like I'd rather, it's more affordable if you live outside of Nashville. Plus, you know, we wanted land and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, then that didn't end up working out and it's all good. So, but I mean, I still have a horse and two goats and I need land and I need affordable land now because I'm paying for it on my own. So I got a realtor and we went to work finding someplace that would work for me. And that I told her 360 degrees around the city of Nashville. And so that was the best location. I mean, I've got, I've got great land. I got a nice house and I'm happy. Awesome. Now you mentioned it a little bit, but you also have the side project of running a small animal farm. Correct. Right. Talk to the listeners. Right. Talk to the listeners about old McDonald's farm that you have going on up in Tennessee. Yeah. Okay. So I've always had dogs. I mean, like I, I had Cooper, my, my dog that passed away in August. I had him for nine years and I got him when I was living by myself, when I was going to Oakland and blah, blah, blah. And my family was like, Oh, it's so great that you have a dog. You live by yourself. I was like, you don't know this guy. So I, you know, I have like a, a small obsession with animals. I got my mom's dog. And then now we've got this new guy, Luca, but when we lived in Dixon and I had an acre of land, I was like, you know, what would be amazing for this land is like goats. (laughs) So I figured that I could probably find someone that would sell me some goats. I was in the middle of the country. Right. And sure as shit, I found someone that could sell me two goats real cheap. Turns out I've never had goats before, but they're easier than dogs. They're cheaper than dogs. They're funnier in some instances than dogs. I was like, this is cool. So we built him a little structure in the backyard, blah, blah. And then I got on this thing. I want a pony, you know, like, I I mean, this is, this is great. And all. I love the goats. (laughs) I love when they start fighting, when the sun goes down and blah, blah. And I was like, I really want a pony. And I kept asking for one and asking for one. And my ex-husband was like, no, I'm not getting you a pony. Like, that sounds crazy. Like, I don't even know what you think this is. Like, but then one showed up for my birthday and I was like, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Right on. Yeah. I was like living every five-year-old's dream. I had a, a petting zoo in my backyard. <laughs> so 
so I brought, you know, when that fell through, I took the whole dog and pony show literally and I took it with me. <laughs> How funny. Don't so know. you still have the dog and pony show then? Oh, yeah. And plus two goats. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, it's my understanding and educate me if I'm wrong, but I, I always have heard that horses are real well you have a pony i don't know is it a horse now is it is it just a it's pony a mini horse. she's ten and a half hand so like some like some ponies look kind of fat and stocky like she's got the body of a horse she's just a mini horse she's like skinny and like fit and really pretty because she's just like not huge yeah so I, I guess my question there was i hear they're expensive to take care of is there any can you validate that or 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 is that a or debunk that myth i think i'll put my foot down on that one and squish it a little bit i mean i you know we rescued her so she wasn't i didn't pay 10 grand for this horse or anything like that i don't know i think she might have been like 1500 to rescue or something and someone brought her to us i mean she eats grass she eats hay she eats Maybe, some oats yeah maybe they meant from a from a vet bill like you know maybe they've had horses where i've heard maybe. this before maybe they're expensive to take to the vet right i maybe. think they they can be okay. like but i'll say with my animals um and i hope i don't catch flack for this but i don't know i kind of treat health with myself and animals with more of like a natural thing so like i don't probably do a lot of the stuff that a lot of people do because I just don't inject chemicals in my animals. I don't know. And do you, do you ride her? Let me rephrase that question. Um, do you ride, do you ride the horse? Yeah. Uh, well I can, I can, she'll let me get on her from like the other side of the yard to the shed. And then she just stops walking. She's Funny. Like, you need to get off. Right. So you, you She's sat. Like, I'm ready for my cookies now, lady. <laughs> <laughs> she's a show horse then. She's not a riding horse. Yeah, no, she's she's like just pretty and just hangs out. Um, She used to be a petting zoo pony. So she did give pony rides. That was her job okay. before I got her. Oh, cool. But she's retired now. And she's okay. like, bitch, I ain't trying to work. <laughs> <laughs> you better get off my back. Work. You better get off my goddamn back, right? <laughs> So, oh. sh- so shifting gears on you a little bit, I wanted to get to maybe some more of the important stuff like your music. Talk to and me a little bit about when did kind of music hit you? Like, when did you get into music? Have you always been into music or did that start late? Or talk to me a little bit about that. So I was a seven-year-old bedroom hairbrush singer. Okay. And I've been an only child my whole life. I entertained the crap out of myself my whole life. <laughs> just, just a lot of solo entertainment. Uh, and it came in the form of like singing and like dancing in front of my mirror, like a complete moron and just like all that dumb stuff. Got into choir at like okay. seventh grade, okay. started reading music, always like just ate music up. You know, I was that annoying kid that like never stopped playing her recorder. Okay. Which anyone that has kids already hates recorders. Even Before if they, they even hear it. In their house or <laughs> yes, not, right. You know? like, no, I get it. You already hate it. Like, it's right up there. It. It's right up there with the kazoo. So. It's awful. <laughs> like, you know, it's terrible. I was squawking that thing. My parents were pissed off. I was like, whoops. I mean, I just, I really loved, like, the ch- I've always been like a mass brain. And I love reading music. And, like, there's always, a, there's only one right answer in music, you know? Like, it's, yeah. it's art, but it's mass, you know? Yep. So I was in choir forever and ever. When I was in high school, I started getting opportunities to do like honors choirs and that kind of stuff. 
And I was like, oh, cool. We can do choir, but we can do it in competition, which my soccer brain really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun. Really fun in that aspect. I got to do a lot of cool stuff with that. And then I ended up having the opportunity to audition in college for a vocal scholarship. So I did that, and that was really cool. And all the while, I mean, I was writing poetry as versions of coping with like my childhood and like all that crap. So poetry was kind of like on the side burner and music, you know, I was doing like all these different stuff. But then I think like I picked up a guitar when I was 13 and I was like, Ooh, I kind of like this. And I put it down for a while and I didn't play it that much. And, you know, it was one of those things that like I begged dad for a guitar and he bought one for me. And I was like, cool, this is great. Played it for two months, kind of got tired of it. And I sat there and collected dust. Um, But then, like, you know, really fast forward, I joined a band in Michigan. Uh, I was singing karaoke one night, which is so random. I was, like, out for a girls' night, and I was singing karaoke with my neighbors. And this lady was standing in the back of the thing, and she was like, hey, like, I I have a friend who's looking for a backup singer for his band. Like, would you be interested? I was like, I mean, I don't know if you're serious or not, so I guess I'll say yes. I don't know, like, what's going on here. Um, So I did some research and found out, like, it was kind of a cool band and they kind of had a cool thing going on a little shtick and whatever. So I auditioned and, you know, as soon as I got done with the audition, the guy was like, I mean, I have two other auditions, but I'm going to take them for formality. Like this job is yours. If you want it. I was like, okay. So I started playing like rhythm guitar and background vocals for that band in Michigan. And then like, I kept getting this little like tip tap on my like, brain window and my heart window from God that was like, Hey, like, you know, like you're going to have to do this more seriously. Like, it's like, shit, you know, now I gotta actually take this seriously when I was just kind of doing it as a joke. To I mean, not like a joke. I don't no, want to play it off. Like I wasn't serious. I was very serious. I wanted really good to be really good. Mm-hmm. And, but I just didn't think it was like a career thing. I thought it was like a side chick thing, you know, like not, yeah. you know, I get it. But then like we went to Nashville once and I crossed over the border of Tennessee and and my heart felt different. And it felt like you're going to live here. And I was like, you crazy. Whatever's talking to me right now. (laughs) Like, I don't know. But I went back home and my ex-husband and I talked about it. And I was like, I think I need to move to Nashville. He's like, okay. So we just moved. And I told my band I had to leave and that went how it went. And I came down here and, became a solo artist. I mean, it's just like, I just did the damn thing, you know, I'm, and I'm not, you know, obviously rolling in dough or anything, but like I, I'm blessed to be able to write songs and play them for a living. Sure. Well, money, money is not the most important thing in the world. It's, I mean, it's, no, it's, it's important. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily buy happiness either. Um, no, I mean, I say it all the time. Like, I don't think that money has really ever been my chosen currency. If it was, I would have stayed at my graphic design job. I would have stayed in sports information. I would have stayed at places that I could have climbed ladders and overachieved my way up and for sure figured out a way to stay in sports as a female, which is freaking hard. You know, I could have made the salaries and done the things and whatever, but it just wasn't worth my time and the money wasn't my currency. So I just had to leave. Yeah. I totally get it. So you talk about the guitar 13, you get your first guitar. Are you, are you a self-taught guitarist or was there some formality in the learning of the guitar for you? In the beginning I was self-taught. Yeah. I was like reading guitar books and like trying to pick up tablature and that kind of thing. Um, 
which probably goes along with like my math thing. Like I just can look at something and be like, okay, I mean, I guess I can kind of figure this out, you know? But then I got to a point about five or six years ago where I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to get someone better than me that can teach me how to do stuff. So I found this amazing guitar teacher in Michigan. Her name's Judy. She's fantastic. Um, she started teaching me all kinds. She's very folky and very Americana. So she was like teaching me a lot of like cool finger picking stuff. And we were really digging deep into like theory and reading notes and that kind of thing. And I had an, also a really amazing guitar teacher when I got to Nashville. His name was Todd. And he started teaching me more, um, you know, like putting me in the direction of, of leading me to be like more of an electric guitar, like lead player. Lead player um, so that's yeah. kind of the road that I'm on right now. Okay. How do you like the lead play in versus the rhythm play? And do you have a preference of one or the other? Because I'm more, I play in a duo here in Cyprus yeah. and I'm the rhythm guitarist and the primary vocalist, even though Chris sings too, but he's a phenomenal player, right? So I know my lane. So I didn't know if you and your band, when you're playing, do you share in the lead responsibility or do you just kind of stay in your lane of I'm the rhythm guitarist and the vocalist and that's how that works? So I think right now, uh, I'm just going to call myself out. I think right now I'm playing a little bit small um, and I'm, I'm putting all the lead, most majority of the lead responsibilities on my guitar player. I know in my heart, I don't want to do that. I want to share them. So I'm working my way up to that. Like when I play solo now, I've been working really hard on getting my looper in so that I can play leads. Um, because I think for a long time I was dealing with this thought that like, Oh, I'm in Nashville and lead guitar players are a dime a dozen. You can go out right now and you can find someone that can play you stairway to heaven and Freebird and blah, blah, blah. And they can play it just like the record. And it's perfect. And like, I put myself in this box of like, Oh, well I can't do that. So that must mean I can't do that. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, And I think lately I've kind of taken on this attitude of like, you know what, how I play guitar is how I play guitar. And if I want to play some leads, cool. I've written currently the way that the leads are on like the demos that are going on the record. Like I wrote all of those. So like, I know how to play those. Um, I don't really have an excuse not to play those. Um, And, you know, just like really getting a lot more comfortable with hearing songs that I really love and then just sitting here for a couple hours and just learning it. Yeah. I think I've gotten myself to a point where I understand the fretboard well enough to sort of be able to figure out where the shapes are and where people are getting most of their licks. And Mm -hmm. it's just cool to be able to hear that, I guess, you know, once you reach a certain point, it's cool to kind of hear like, okay, well, if I wanted to play that interval, I think that would be here. Um, I can kind of get pretty close. So, you know, it's just like a work in progress. Absolutely. A lot of just being like, I stay in my lane in some instances because I want my lead player to have a job. Yep. But also, I mean, I think there's something to be said for like, you know, guitar battles and like sharing the, you know, just like I, I, I get a lot of life and a lot of joy from playing guitar. So I'd like to do more of it. Absolutely. You, you had talked a, a little earlier about poetry and writing and that lent itself to, you know, becoming a songwriter. Do you remember how old you were when you wrote your first song? And do you remember the song? Oh, God. I mean, like, 
I, my neighbor friend and I would be the Spice Girls and we would just like bitch and moan over who got to be sporty spice like two freaking morons (laughs) but i mean like i was writing like shitty songs like a playing keyboard in the garage with her just like really dumb stuff um not about anything and i'll say that my first like song song was probably after i joined uh the band in michigan um, cause the guy that led that band wrote original stuff and I was like, Oh shit. Like I forgot about that. You know, like, Oh, I can maybe try that. Cause I have feelings for days and trauma for days. So I mean, I could probably write something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of started, I kind of dove headfirst into it at that point, I think for real. Yeah. Let's chat about, uh, discography a, a little bit. And if I'm off base on songs or timelines you correct me but you had a single called before you that i think you released in 2020 right yeah so far so good okay and then you had released honest and rock bottom in 2021 as singles right i did and i released before you volume two as a single as well before i dropped the whole album okay And then you also released an LP in 2021 called Lessons from the Archives, right? Correct. Okay. So I released a few singles off of it as just kind of like little teasers and like something's coming and like it's a big project. And because I'm not like a single releaser by nature, I don't, I just don't feel like I relate to that kind of model as an artist, I, I prefer bodies of work and thought processes. And I think, you know, if I have a lot to say about a topic, I might as well just say it all, you know? Yeah. yeah um, I get it. It's hard to, and, and lessons from the archives, like is, is cramming the first 30 years of my life into seven songs. I probably got 39 more mm-hmm. that maybe I'll release at some point, but, um, you know, those were the ones that I felt needed to come out at that point. Okay. And I, I would like to feature a couple of songs from that LP. The first one is a song called Honest. I'd, I'll share the clip and then we'll come back and chat about the song. Fair enough? Okay. okay. I love that. Yeah. If I'm being honest, this ain't my thing. I can't look you in the eyes and tell you everything's okay. I'd be lying if I said the reality of you and me looks easy in my head. I'm not saying it's goodbye, but maybe it's close. Maybe it's all a big mistake. Hell, That was a song called Honest from the 2021 LP title, Lessons from the Archives. 
I hear another. Well, I have to say that. I, so I've listened to that song probably twenty times or so. And I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank you for the streams. Yeah, I, I gave you twenty streams. That's not why I listen to it, but you're welcome all the same. I think it's more of just trying to get inside the song and understand the song. That's kind of me. I'm a inside the song kind of, of of person. I hear another big artist in that. I won't call out her name, but that's a it's a great thing. Um, I, I love this. I love the song, and I think the more I listen to the song the more I like it. Share with the listeners inspiration. What inspired that song for you? So I wrote that song in 2020, I believe. Is that accurate? No. Are you asking me or are you thinking out loud? 2019. 2019. I'm totally thinking out loud here. I'm just like, Sarah, come on. I know that you know (laughs) the answer to this that you're asking yourself. So answer it, damn it. (laughs) Um, So I wrote it in 2019. Okay. I had just recently moved to Nashville. Uh, (laughs) Vulnerability cool on your podcast, Randy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm my, here. I, this is this is your platform. You can talk about anything you want to talk about. Okay. Right? Yeah. We'll talk about flying pigs. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So inspiration for the song, honest. I I had my my mom had passed away in 2017. I got married in 2018. We moved to Nashville in 2019. I had a photography career that I put in the dumpster and lit it on fire. Cause I want to be a songwriter, you know? Um, and I think on the surface I was holding it together. Okay. But then ultimately also, I guess part of the story, once my mom passed away, then my grandma passed away and then my uncle passed away and I was the executor of all their estates. <laughs> so, I mean, I was just, I was in a shit storm to put it lightly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know, honestly, mentally, I really felt like I didn't know which direction was up. And I've been through shit in my life. Like I've been through the ringer, you know, my childhood was a wreck and there's all kinds of stuff going on and whatever. But like, that was like, you know, 20 years later, just another bulldozer comes and just like freaking wipes me out. And so when I wrote that song, I had taken myself out of my house uh, where I was living. I was living with my ex at the time. And I was like, I need to, I need to go someplace like by myself, like, I'm going to take the dog and we're going to go to a cabin. I'm going to get an Airbnb and I'm just going to go for a couple days and try to sort my brain out because right now I'm not, I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing this well. And I really need to just go do something else and get out of here. Um, So I was laying in the middle of the floor of this Airbnb and this melody came to me and these words came to me about like, I mean, I felt like I wanted out of everything at that point because like I say, I just had, so much going on in my head that I just couldn't, I wasn't doing it right. And, um, it was just time for me to stop lying to myself and keep trying to wear the happy face and be so much joy. And so and go, I'm, I go to church and I'm so good. Everything's great. And I'm in Nashville and I'm writing songs and it's okay, dad, I've, I've got all together. You know, like I was falling apart. Um, and it was just time for me to come clean about all that. That's interesting that you say all that because I've, I've done some digging on you, which I'm supposed to do, right? That's what a good yeah, interviewer does, away. right? And I, I don't want to talk about the subject at all, but, but I want to touch on it. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, there were, your mom had challenges in her yeah. life, right? Yeah. So 
you know, you have that, you know, you talk about falling to pieces, you, you go through a divorce. It, it's interesting that you say all that because we never know what people are, are going through in their life. The facade looks one way, but it's so different sometimes. Like I look at you and say, what a beautiful gal. She's a songwriter in Nashville. I teased you earlier about having the greatest hair on the internet. You know, you, you, it's, you're the all-American girl looking, you know, through the screen. My point being is we all have challenges. We, we all have things that are going on behind the scenes that the world doesn't know about, right? It doesn't matter how nice we look, how pretty our hair is, how, you know, great our tattoos look or anything like that. We all have, we're all humans, right? Thank you. (laughs) We're, we're, We're all, you know, we all have the daily challenges, right? Yeah. And nobody's really exempt to, to those. So, Thanks for sharing the inspiration behind the song. Um, It's good to hear that. Go ahead. I think that for me as a songwriter, that's kind of been my MO the entire time. Is like, if I have to, if I had to go through all that stuff, I might as well use it for something. So it doesn't do me any good to write a song and not tell the story behind it. You know, there's, there's kind of, there's something to writing it just generic enough and not specific enough to my own exact scenario so that someone else going through something similar can still relate to it and use it for themselves. But ultimately, uh, the vast majority of stuff that I write is stuff that all truly did happen to me, which I believe is kind of the reason I do this. I love the uh, vulnerability, right? I, I, um, I appreciate that. I respect it. I made the comment earlier about I hear another artist in your voice and, and because we're talking about vulnerability right now, I'll, I'll share the name because there's a reason why I'll share the name. Her name is Morgan Wade. Okay. And if I you're, her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally love her stuff. And she's also one of these artists that wears her feelings and her story on her sleeve. There's no, there's no hiding. There's no sugar oh, coating. She's, she's just low bullshit as it gets. Ab- absolutely. And so that that's the only reason why I brought her name up because, you know, you, you have a vulnerable side too, just like I do. And you put it out there. You don't hide behind, oh, my life's glamorous. I have no problems kind of thing. And I think, I think there's healing in that. And I think that from a fan perspective, they find you real. And that's, that's something that I dig in an artist. Like Sarah's vulnerable. She's a human just like I am. She wears her heart on her sleeve. I respect that 10 times more than somebody that puts up a facade that they don't have shit going on in their life, right? So yeah. kudos yeah. to you for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, in, in my like friend circle, I've got some really close girlfriends and you know we all kind of have a, a similar opinion about Instagram and its other evil twins and it's like that's just the highlight reel like you're going through that people are like oh look how happy i am today three minutes later their coffee spills in their lap they burn their legs to death their kid tells them they hate them or they get in a crash you know what I mean? there's like there's shit going on all the time yeah and i just think that you know those things they're not worth hiding because like i i can appreciate and respect the low points in my life for what they are but also because like without them, like how do I appreciate the high points? Like how Absolutely. do I appreciate this situation that I'm in right now where I feel like I hit the damn lottery? Honestly, you know, I've got just like so many blessings in my life right now. Um, and it didn't come without a little blood and, and some tears, but I mean, I really feel like I'm, I'm kind of sitting pretty. Yeah, uh, It's not perfect. I'm not 
I'm not trying to paint that picture. Um, but I will say that like, I learn every day that like, there's some beautiful shit hiding on the other side of your fears and all the stuff you don't want to go through. You kind of have to. I agree. And Steve Miller wrote a song called Jet Airliner a lot of years ago. And, you know, there's a dad sing it big old jet in a lineup. (laughs) (laughs) And there, and there was a, there was a phrase in the song that says you got to go through hell before you get to heaven. And that there's, there's nothing more true to that. That's it. Yeah. Was the was the song Honest a quick write for you? Uh, did it take some time? Uh, I was so emotional when I wrote that song. It kind of came out in about two or three hours. I tweaked it. I mean, it wasn't like perfect, perfect when I got it done. But like I had the words and I knew the chords the night I wrote it. I mean, I was like, I was in a space. I mean, like I was in a just ball your eyes out. Say shit you wouldn't normally say just put it out there, you yeah. know, like I'm, right here I am, like I'm falling in and out of love and I'm a hot mess and I don't even know which way is up, but like, I'm just being honest, you know, I mean, I, I got nothing for you at this point besides just pure honesty. It's all I got left. I, everything else has been taken from me. Yeah. And that's a great trait. I mean, that's, uh, you know, you could seal the deal on that trait alone. You know, the, you know, a new boyfriend comes along and that, you know, he sees the vulnerability and, Honesty is a lot. It's kind of, I mean, that's all some people want is just a partner yeah. that is honest, right? Not, everything yeah. else is just gravy, but you, you yeah, have to have I, honesty. I mean, not that I have lived my life as a dishonest human, maybe one that wanted to pretend that everything wasn't crashing down from a young age. Like, yeah, I'll admit to that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, as a seven-year-old, I didn't want to come to school, yeah. you know, I'm not trying to come to school and make friends by being like, Hey, my home life is a mess. Let's be friends. Like, no, Absolutely. like nobody's doing that. No. Um, but I will say that like a core value for me right now is just like, I mean, communication, dude, like oh, yeah. real stripped down, real honest. Like this is how it is. Yep. And like, this is what I got. And like, this is what we're doing. Yep. It's going to be this. Cause yep. I don't know how to be anything else, you know? Yep. Well, in all the hardships that we face in life, whether it's bad home life, bad family life, a divorce, whatever the case may be, right? I think it, it builds us into the person that we are and it makes us stronger, you know, like, you know, there's another old adage, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, right? Oh, so much so. So there's a lot of truth in that as well. I want to share another clip from the LP and this is a song called I Can't. We'll let the listeners take a listen to that, and we'll come back and chat about that one as well. Fair enough? Love it. Cool. Oh, it's just like being tried for a crime. That's why I didn't commit. In that's bound and determined. To the 
that's a song called I Can't. That That's a beautifully crafted song, Sarah. Good good job on that. I, I dig Thank that. You. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dare I ask what that one was inspired from? Sure. It's sort of similar in nature, I guess. Um, so all that stuff was falling down. And I had some friends that uh, had been in my life for about a decade. And kind of when they found out, I mean, they kind of, for just, you know, shortness purposes and lack of a better term, they kind of turned their backs and said, you know what? We don't really agree with the way that you're doing all this. We can't, we can't get down on this. And I was like, you know, thinking to myself, like, I haven't had an easy ride up until this point. Hard times don't really surprise me anymore. You know, like, especially then, like, I was like, I mean, I'm not surprised. You know, I wasn't surprised my mom passed away. I wasn't surprised. I knew it was going to happen. I wasn't surprised that a bunch of shit fell on me at the same time. I'm not surprised by that because... You know, not that I expect it to happen, but when it does, I'm not going to, you know, kill over and die. I mean, like, it's not easy. Excuse me. It's not easy. It wasn't easy on my brain um, at all. But I, I didn't feel like it was any different than me opening up to them at earlier points and being like, hey, like, I've got mental illness stuff from this in my childhood and blah, blah, blah. You know, so they're like, well, we didn't know this and you didn't tell us and blah, blah. And, uh, you know, we we can't be friends with you. And I'm like, I mean, okay. So I started thinking about like, you know, I guess I thought that after this long of friendship, like you would know me by now and you would know my character and you would know that like when I'm acting out as a human, it's not my real character. I'm acting out because I'm hurting. I'm acting out and doing things against my character because I don't know which direction I'm supposed to be going right now. Like I'm, I'm like in a freaking like chamber and I've been like tossed around and I forgot which direction it like, you know, humans doing human things. And I thought about like, you know, like if my friends are in trouble, you know, that's where, this is where the table turn line comes from. Like if my friends are in trouble, like I'm not walking out. Yeah. You know, I'm not, there's come, come hell or high water. You know, I, you can do anything. I don't care what you do. You can, it can be crime worthy. It can be whatever. I'm not walking out. Like I like to think that I know the character of the people that I spend my time with. And when they do something out of character, I've done all kinds of shit that's out of my character. You know, like I've got what I believe is really good character. Yeah. And for, to feel like their whole idea of me was ruined over some out of character (laughs) things that I did. Like it just wasn't, it didn't sit right with me. So I wrote about it and kind of came up with like, I I just can't, I can't explain myself to you if you don't want to understand, you know, if, if after, if after seeing all these things that you've seen of me in my life, if, if you don't get it by now, I can't explain it to you. Sure. It's about as honest as I can be with that one. <laughs> yeah. You talk, you know, uh, you touched on mental things, right? And, and the only yeah. reason I'm going back to that is because I think, like you, if I'm not mistaken, I, like you, have had the bouts with anxiety and depression over mm-hmm. the years, yeah. right? They're, they're very real things. Hopefully yours is 
at bay and under control. I don't know. And we don't need to divulge that here. But I had a... It just takes a lot of tools in the toolbox and you just figure it out. It does. And the only reason why I bring that up, because it's it's something that's very near and dear to me. And I, I, I always challenge listeners if they're going through the anxiety and depressions that there's there's help out there for them. It can be it can be squashed. It can it can be fixed to a, a, a degree. And there's always a support system in me. I'm not a hard guy to find on the internet. And and no. I had an interview with Andrew Chastain out of Murphy, North Carolina. And he wrote a song about a friend that had taken his own life because of, you know, various reasons. But, you know, anxiety and depression being in there. And, and I told him on the show that, you know, I challenge the listeners to call myself or Andrew if there's anybody that ever has a problem with that and get so low that they need to talk. I mean, I, I've been in those dark places myself, right? And they they absolutely suck. So that's the only reason why I was I was bringing that up. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that a big part of my music as well is that subject matter. It is saying like, I mean... Just because I'm the one singing it doesn't mean I'm the only one feeling it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm trying to say things that I know a bunch of people are going through. <laughs> You're the I'm voice for a lot of here, people. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to sit here and say, like, I'm not the only one that's going through it, that went through a divorce. I'm not the only one that's got to move on. I'm not the only one that had childhood problems. I'm the only one who dealt with multiple family deaths and just like a shit can family. Like, I'm not the only one. So I don't have a problem if this is the way that God wants me to talk about it. And this is this, the platform that God wants me to use. I don't have a problem doing that. Yeah. You I, know? And, and I agree with and that. I, I like go by the motto of like, whenever I walk into a room, like sometimes this shit is hard to talk about. And sometimes it's hard to say, but like, I don't get to decide that because like my life went the way that it went. And I was told that this is my responsibility. And like, I never know who needs to hear what I have to say. Absolutely. So I just have to do it. It's just what I have to do. It's kind of interesting that we're on the subject because, and and I'll ask you if you agree or disagree, and and it doesn't matter one way or another because we all have our, you know, our thought process. But I sometimes will create, a set list um, for a show, you know, maybe I'm feeling a certain way during the day or whatever. And a lot of the songs that I might have in my set list are melancholy type of songs, probably that teeter on more sad or depressing topics. Right. And, and my wife, Terry will say, you know, it's Friday night. Everybody's you know, ready for the weekend. Are you going to play some upbeat stuff? And I'm like, not feeling it today, man. You know, I I feel like doing this, this morbid shit, you know, and it, and as an artist, I have to go out and deliver what I feel. And if people get on that bandwagon, get on, if not get off, I don't really, I don't really care, but I'm the artist and I'm going out and playing what I feel. And if you're down, you're down. I don't know if you share that same sentiment or, if you're like, I'm really feeling melancholy, but I know that I need to go play some happy songs today. Like, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I'll say, I'm I'm really close. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to call it 80, 20. And I think the 20, the 20% of me that wants to kind of refute it a little bit is the Nashville creeping in being like, you gotta be a crowd pleaser and you gotta be entertainer, blah, blah. But if I'm being like real, super honest and like, 
what I do in my solo shows. Like when I'm playing by myself, I play whatever the hell I want. I played at a place uh, two nights ago that's like a burger joint. I played with my friend Noel. He's my drummer. And, and I got my looper and I got my guitar. I got my songs that I wrote that I know I got three hours to play whatever the hell I want. Shit, I'm playing, I'm playing my stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't, I don't like to play the cover game because I can't do those people's songs better than they can. Like I do my songs as well as I can because I wrote it. I feel it. I know it. So, I mean, I'll definitely agree from that standpoint. Like there's, that's the reason I can't do like Broadway and Nashville because I can't do four hours of somebody else's music and then live to tell the tale, you know, I sell my soul, soul to that. And I can't do that. Yeah. I do though think I'm building a set list right now for some live shows I have coming up in Illinois for in July. And I'm riding that wave because I'm being, I'm going to play full bands and I can't, <laughs> I've got demos of, and work tapes of stuff, but I can't very well teach a full band how to play 15 original songs that I wrote last week from work tapes. <laughs> like that just right. doesn't, yeah. that doesn't work. So, I mean, I'm having to pick cover stuff. I do get really picky with my cover stuff though, because I'm not going to play whatever everybody else wants to hear. I'm going to play what I want to play and what I can get on a stage and deliver. So, yeah, I did just add a Marcus King song to the set list. And no, most people probably don't know who the hell Marcus King is. You should. You damn well should. If you don't go look him up, that's on you, not me. Yeah. But like, you know, and I'm, I'm throwing a song in there from a band called Jamestown Revival. Another worthwhile lookup. Like, because I know it's going to bring me a lot of joy to play it. I don't think my band's going to have a hard time learning it. And I think we can deliver some joy, even if you know the song or not. I hope that answers your question. I kind of it does. base it on what energy do I think I can bring? Cause I believe that's what people are there for. You know, like if you're in a bar, yeah, sometimes you're there to hear like Bob Seeger and freaking journey and whatever. But like, also if there's an artist up there killing it, I don't think you really care what song they're playing. I no. think you're into their energy. If they're, if they're able to bring it, I think you're into the energy. I agree. I agree. And I also agree with you about Marcus King. If you don't know who he is, you, you need to, you need to oh, look up Marcus King on YouTube, uh, standing in the circle at the Grand Ole Opry, right? Yeah. Yes, has you a do. Great song called Goodbye Carolina, right? That's a great mm-hmm. one. So, so I guess it's safe to say that writing is used as a healing tool for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, it started off that way. It's always been that way. Um, it was what I was told when I was a seven-year-old going to counseling. Hey, you have feelings. You get pissed off. I was an only child. I didn't have a lot of friends. You need to make friends with your journal then, and you need to write them because we can't have you, like, outbursting in school. That's not going to be okay. I was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't really write this into my show, but were you a spoiled brat, too? As Hell the only no. kid. <laughs> Are you kidding? I had to ask. I had to ask. Quick story on that. You know, my dad pretty much raised me. You know, it was kind of tough with my mom. And and so my dad got custody and he raised me. And as a single dad, God bless him. And and I got a car and I was in college and I needed gas money. And I was like, dad, like, I need 20 bucks to get gas and I need to get back to school. Like I had to go to school in the morning or whatever. He was like, you know what, kid? And he meant all the love in the world by this. He goes, you got yourself in this jam. I think you get yourself out. It's like, okay. So if that gives you any insight as to how spoiled I was or was not, like I wasn't handed stuff. I couldn't even, I couldn't even squeeze 20 bucks out of a guy. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I say that because I think there's this yeah. uh, this myth that all only children are spoiled spoiled brats, right? <laughs> Actually, there's some people out there like you're an only child. I'm like, yeah. They're like that surprises me. I'm like, why? Because I'm not a dick. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel mean by that. Like, don't, don't be a dick, Sarah. That, but like, thank you. I don't know. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that you're more? How do I ask the question? Would you say that you're more? rock influenced or country influenced you seem like kind of a rocker girl to me like for, for yeah. i mean you do you do kind of country stuff but it, it i don't know there's um there's an undertone right that that i can yeah. detect that there might be some rocker and you talk to me about that yeah well i grew up in detroit so um and also another quick story about the car thing with my dad i got my first car and my dad said you know sarah if you play country music in this car will break It'll break the speakers. Okay. Um, So, I mean, I grew up with like Journey and Sticks and, you know, Foreigner and all that stuff. I asked for the Rush album as a 14 year old. So I was like really into classic rock, like face first. And I will say that country undertones, I'm not going to say they're by accident, but I'm not going to say they're on purpose because I don't, that's not the direction I really want to go as an artist. I mean, I'm, trying to strip it all out as much as I can. Definitely more along the rock lines. So thank you for saying that. Definitely more roots rock, Americana, blues rock. I mean, that's like my bread and butter. I mean, I I get my kicks on Marcus King, Derek Trucks. You know, that's that's kind of where I spend most of my time. John Mayer is kind of the the lanes that I let my brain hang out in and I'm trying to sonically get as close to that as I can. I don't know if you know Katie Pruitt, Grace Potter, that kind of Grace lane. Potter, yeah. Um, yep. But like, you know, it's like Bonnie Raitt or Cheryl Crow were like a modern day artist. I think I'm really kind of going for that. Mm-hmm. So. Are you familiar or are you a Jason Isbell fan? I love Jason Isbell. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one, I can one, yeah. One of my favorites. One of the, one of, probably one of the greatest songwriters out there in, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Uh, besides Sarah, actually, besides Sarah Faith. But uh, anyway, oh, what were you, nice what were you going to say? Yeah. I was going to say Jason Isbell, he actually, Amanda Shires is his wife and, and they, when he writes a song, he gives it to her to edit or look over or whatever. And you know, his song vampires, Yeah. you know, he gives it to her and she gives it back with edits and he gives it to her. And he's like, I don't know how many times that went back, but like, I mean, it's about like, you know, one of us is going to have to live on this planet alone at some point. Cause we can't die on the same day. I mean, the chances of that are like otherworldly. Absolutely. And she finally, the final draft she gave back, she just wrote on it, fuck you. <laughs> How <laughs> funny. You have, to, you have to go find that somewhere. I think yeah. you put a picture of it somewhere. But, like, I just got such a laugh from that because, like, honestly, I mean, isn't that the thing? I mean, that's, that's what we all want as songwriters. We want someone to hear our songs and be like, yeah, fuck you. Like, yeah. I just hate you. I hate you for writing that right now. I'm so mad at you for writing that. Like, yeah. What a great and powerful song, though. You know, you did. Yeah. You know, it talks about something that's very real and that's inevitable that will happen. And I, I think, you know, if you think about it from a significant other or me thinking about it from my wife's perspective, it's pretty it's a pretty deep thought to think that one day she's going to be alone or one day I'm going to be alone. And mm-hmm. that's pretty deep. And we and, don't want to think about that. And you we, know? we don't. But so I, I would I would uh, challenge the listeners to listen to the song vampires by Jason Isbell. I'm not here to promote Jason Isbell, but uh, well, what a great song, right? Fuck I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great tune. 
What Jason, can, feel free. Right? Ten dollars. I'm just kidding. Exactly. <laughs> PayPal, my PayPal. Yeah. 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 What what can you talk about as it relates to upcoming music or shows? You you mentioned a little bit about going on a little tour there in Illinois, but what can you yeah. talk about with the listeners regarding upcoming music and shows? Well, I guess the short answer is pretty much anything because I'm an independent artist and I get to just I do I what like the, what you want when you want, right? Yeah. I mean, like, there's people that assign these deals and, like, the people, Sarah, do you want a record deal? I don't know. Because, like, I would need to feel like I was doing it with family and they would let me do what I want the way that I want to do it. Like, sure. I'm not here to try to be anybody else but myself. So, as it relates to upcoming music, um, I wrote a divorce album. And I truly feel like there's been breakup songs and divorce songs in the past. Um, and with all of my might, I wanted to write songs that had nothing to do with telling the world how bad of a guy he was or blah, blah, blah. Like, I got no interest in writing that song. I got no interest in singing that song. Don't think he's a bad guy. Think it just didn't work out. Like, not going to sit here and bash the guy. It's not what I'm here to do. I wanted to write songs that talked about, you know, picking up your pieces and finding a way to move on that were letters to my ego that were like, Hey, don't you dare think that you're not going to love again because that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like if, if somebody wants to leave, you can't beg them to stay just things like that, that I just, I don't know. I just didn't want to, I mean, obviously I was distraught. I mean, I think we both were, we, we cried together, but I, I didn't want to write songs that were gonna, keep opening the wounds mm -hmm. and like beat dead horses and yeah. ask. I wasn't trying to ask God why it didn't work. I just wanted him to tell me what he had in store for me after the fact, you know? I will validate and approve of the, the path that you're on and the thought process, right? I, I think that, um, I, I think that you're taking the high road and it's so easy because I've been in situations like that in my life where you you just want to punch out of that person or you want to bash the shit out of it. I mean, That's our humanness. We, we probably wanted to punch each other, you know, like we just couldn't have the same conversations over and over one more freaking time. I was like, dude, I'm not going to ask you one more time. Like, are you sure? You know? And he was like, Sarah, I mean, like we were just like in the thick of it. Right. But like, if it wasn't going to work, it wasn't going to work. Yeah. Okay? And, and you, if you put that much energy into writing an album about bashing versus just you know, healing, then I think people look at you like this, just the, the, the humanness and people, they say, Oh, you know, Sarah's all she does is a bitch about, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of a turn off to people. Right. But, yeah. but you can use, I believe that you can use the, the bad situation as a positive and, yeah. and not only heal from it, but just, share your vulnerability. And I think that that comes off much more respectful and respected than the other way. So again, yeah, I validate, I mean, not that I'm anybody, but I, uh, no, I concur I, and validate what I you, what you're that. doing. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm not going to sit here and act like, like, you know, if, and when he ever listens to, it, I don't think he's going to love it. I'm not going to you know, be like, Oh yeah. I mean, that's a really good take. Like she's so brilliant. She's so great for, she's so, you know, I, I'm not like planting flowers and singing about rainbows, but, um, you know, I, I will say that I, I really don't 
want to bash the guy. Yeah. I really don't. Nope. I think you're doing it the right way. Where can the listeners find you on social media? In this crazy world of interwebs, uh, I spend most of my time on Instagram. Uh, Seraphate underscore music. It's a zoo. It's a guitar lesson. It's a kind of it's a shit show. <laughs> no, like, uh, yeah, I spend most of my time on Instagram. You know, but I will say though, um, I do have like a decent following on TikTok, which is really strange. Um, I kind of stumbled into it by accident, but um, I mean, a lot of people hang out over there, so. Yeah. I do, I do lives on TikTok once a week. I do lives on Instagram once a week. You know, I try to, I try to be fair and try to kind of get around. So yeah, that's where most of it is. Um, how do they find you on TikTok? Do you the know what the handle is? is? missing. Okay. Yeah. It's Sarah, it's Sarah Faith Music. And the okay. underscore is, is missing in the TikTok thing. Okay. And then you also have SarahFaithMusic.com as a website, which is where your yeah. merch is, where the listeners can pick up. Uh, merch and find out about your show schedule and that type of thing right totally yeah Yeah. and there's some stuff on facebook too but i'll just say it's it's facebook's kind of a carbon copy of instagram there's some stuff on there that's kind of unique but you know for the most parts i want to ask you a couple of quick fire questions and i would really like for these to be just simple answers we don't have to go into a a long-winded answer i mean unless you want to i want to protect your time i know that we've we've been chatting a long time and uh, so I appreciate that. But I wanted to, I think the quick fire questions show aside to the listeners that as we post the, the interview and new people come to know Sarah Faith and love the music, they also want to know about the artist too. And I think that the quick fire questions are a, a, an important part of that. So yeah. are you, a, I, you answered this earlier, but I'm going to ask you again, summer or winter? Summer. TV or radio? Fucking neither. Silence. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Perfect vacation. One of two things. Depends on how I'm feeling. Cabin in the mountains or the beach. Okay. Michigan or Tennessee? Tennessee. uh, Sorry, Dad. I don't like Michigan. (laughs) I love my my family, but I just can't need to be there. Okay. Fair enough. There's no wrong answers in this. Do you have a favorite guitar? Riv. Yeah, I bought this freaking, uh, where is she? She's over there on the box. I bought a, a Roadhouse Strat with vintage noiseless pickups, vintage noiseless pickups in it, and I can't get enough. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Fucking hate mornings. <laughs> <laughs> my God, I'm awful. Ask Matt. God, my boyfriend. We get up in the morning and I'm just like, bro, how do you do this? Like, he's like, ready to go and like i gotta tackle this day i'm like i don't gotta do shit but like maybe drink some water and go back to bed (laughs) trying to do this you're such the typical musician and and i'm the i'm the i am the mirror opposite of you i'm a get into the studio at four in the morning and get going kind of guy right uh i can't i can't do i can't do the late night thing anyway do you have a favorite female artist yeah, uh, right now I say my favorite, well, I have two. My two favorites are probably Katie Pruitt and Grace Potter. Okay. And I'll ask the same about a male artist. Right now, huge, I'm huge into Marcus King right now. Okay. Again, we talked about that earlier. Great artist. Yeah. Do you have a favorite song of yours that you love to play live? Yeah, it's it's one that's coming up, and I've, I've shared a clip of it on my social media, so I got no problem with talking about it. Um, it's one that's called Free. And uh, it's probably the the most 
like bluesy, like true rock song I've ever written, uh, which kind of really lights my fire just in and of itself. There's the anatomy of the song and the structure of it in like from total nerd status. But I love the message. I love the, I just love it. It's like sassy and kind of, you know, whatever. I just love it. Yeah. And, and to go. And my band, and my band kills it. Okay. Let's be honest. My, my band freaking kills it. Right. Okay. You spoke about the new record early, earlier when I asked you, you know, new things, new and exciting. I don't remember you saying like when you were expecting to deliver this for people to hear. Or do you not really know that right now? Yeah, it's it's because it's just a. am just letting the process take what it okay. takes. I and mean, we're just letting the universe kind of take care of part of that. I mean, we've got it all tracked and stuff. And then we just I just need to make sure the vibe is right. I'm I co-produce my stuff. Um, I've, which is, I'm super helicopter mommy about it. I'll throw myself under the bus on that too. You know, my producer swears like, no, you're not annoying me, but I know he's lying. So I'm just say, I know he's lying. Um, I'm just really picky. That's a good trait though, because um, that, that leads to perfection. I believe I'm OCD to a, to a fault and uh, there's, you know, sometimes I hate it, but most of the time, well, most of the time I hate it, but sometimes I love it. You know, it's a, it's a good I thing. Mean, like, I'm very structured, you know, like, you know, it's like Jimmy Hendrix was in the studio and, uh, he would rip this solo and they'd be like, Oh, that's great, Jimmy. And, and he'd be like, ah, it just doesn't sound right. You know? And he would like, he would like change a cable, change his guitar. He'd be like, Oh, that sounds right. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like you're Jimmy fucking Hendrix. Like, what are you doing? But I mean, we just want it the way we want it. Absolutely. I don't disagree. Sarah, I mean, thank, thanks so much for being here with me this evening and uh, for the chat. It's been an absolute treat for me. I, I appreciate all of the uh, the texting back and forth. Uh, I know I've questioned yeah. you to death to try to, you know, get get things straight that, that I needed. No worries. Um, I mean, so, I hope that it's been enjoyable for absolutely. listeners too. I've had a blast. I appreciate your questions. I appreciate you doing your homework. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as always, I ask the listeners to like, share and subscribe to the podcast. Also, make sure to follow Sarah on all of her social media outlets that she loves so dearly. Uh, And also on SarahFaithMusic.com is where you guys can pick up the merch and see what's going on in her world. I ask you to follow the show on Backstage Pass Radio podcast. That's on Facebook on Instagram at Backstage Pass Radio, on Twitter at Backstage Pass PC, and on the website at BackstagePassRadio.com. Sarah, thanks again for being here with me. And, you know, I, I encourage all the listeners again to, to check Sarah's stuff out, download and stream the music. And we'll see you guys right back here on the next episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Make sure to follow Randy on Facebook and Instagram at Randy Halsey Music and on Twitter at R Halsey Music. Also make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on alerts for upcoming podcasts. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to share the link with a friend and tell them Backstage Pass Radio is the best show on the web for everything music. We'll see you next time right here on Backstage Pass Radio.